Thanks for tuning in. 99 for One is a podcast of real-life stories meant to inspire ordinary people to do extraordinary things that change our world. This podcast is owned and operated by Will Cravens, author of the book 99 for One and founder of the nonprofit Endurance Leadership. Now for today's podcast, here's Will Cravens. We got a big treat today in that we were able to take the podcast to East L.A., the home of Homeboy Industries, a ministry started by uh, Father uh, Gregory Boyle, who uh, is a Jesuit priest who was assigned one of the hardest gang-infested areas in East L.A., uh, and, and his work there since 1986 has transformed the community and has been a model which has become the largest uh, ministry in the world for helping people uh, get out of gangs and restore their lives. So today with us we have a treat. We have uh, Hector Verdugo, one of the, um, he's actually the associate executive director at Homeboy Industries and is a product of the ministry. How you doing, Hector? I'm doing well, man. Thank you. Actually, how long have you been working at uh, Homeboy Industries? I've been here at Homeboy for about 14 years now. And how long were you on the street before that? I got here when I was 31 years old. I've been on the streets since I was about 13. So what, wow. what can you tell us about your story of uh, your life on the street? Well... I grew up in Boyle Heights um, in a housing project called Ramona Gardens. And um, we were born into a family that my father had just died a week before we were born from a heroin overdose. Wow. And some of my earliest memories are my mom doing heroin in a garage with a sheet between well, my, my twin brother, brother and I and her and her boyfriend, you know, doing the, the ceremony of wrapping her arm and burning a spoon and we were kids we were little little guys just not the way anybody needs to be growing up yeah but we we didn't know what they were doing but we knew they were doing something wrong the domestic violence in the house or in our it was a garage at the time just some really really violent ugly stuff that we got to see as as small children as we got older you know that that violence spilled from my mother to us and it was just a normal thing to see this and I guess just feel like this is the way life is as I got older my mom continued you know to do heroin and off and on in these relationships with abusive boyfriends but for you that was the norm for you and your brother yeah for us, that was a norm. Did that bond you too to make you yeah. close? Absolutely, absolutely. When I feel like I have an older brother and I have a younger brother. My older brother at the time, my grandmother had had taken my older brother just, just to keep him from the violence that was happening because him being older, he got a lot of the, the violence thrown at him. But my my grandmother could only do so much. So it, you know, my my twin brother and I, we we were very close from you know childhood, and in the and then we were in the projects and surrounded all my aunts and uncles, older cousins, gang members. It was just like a community, but the community was not like most communities, you know. Drug sales in the front of the house and boxing, dudes boxing with each other and screaming ladies. To, so a sense of belonging, but also danger and other yeah, things associated. Yeah, but, when, but in the projects, you know, with us, it was safer than being at my mom's boyfriend's house, like at, at that, in that garage. So it felt better. You know I mean? The older homies would look at uh, my, my twin brother and I and, and what's up, cuates? That's like Spanish for twins. And uh, they would see us as really kind of nobody did see us in our house. We were just in the way. 
I hated being in the way. In the house, you're in the in way. The but house. out there, you were included. I mean, somewhat. I was a little kid. I wasn't included in gang activity or anything. I was just a kid. But as I got older, you know, from playing freeze tag to getting skateboards, and then and then by the time I was, you know, 12 and went to junior high school, that's when you start to your, your ways start to change. Testosterone right. starts to hit. Or you're going through puberty and all, and you you start to like girls. And and then my older brother was now a factor inside of our home. Who he used to beat us he, up. He turned into a born again Christian, but everybody was the devil. And you need to read the Bible. You need to come inside at like five five o'clock in the afternoon and read the Bible in, in in a room by ourselves and not a lot of fun in that it was horrible and 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 I had a lot of you know when my mom would get busted and my grandma couldn't take care of us so we had to go with our aunts from our father's side and um, one of them was a Christian you know that was you know, going to church and running around the building and getting touched by the Holy Spirit and and then there was movies that that you you couldn't go to heaven unless you get your head chopped off and it was just scary yeah, it was just a, a, a you know what would you do, how would you describe like it? Like fear kind of induced totally fear induced. induced but not a lot of joy no yeah. no no grace i mean the one thing that i really good memory that i would get was we used to go to bob's big boy with my aunt you know, after church so we got to go to a sit down restaurant was which was huge for us you know you know that was during the that highlight time was the food after yeah it. the highlight was the food no i went to a i grew up going to a boring church and there were donuts after and i was like man as soon as this is over i got donuts so right I, right i hear you <laughs> You know, that, that was that during those times. And, and then, then you how'd you get into the gangs then? I, I remember going to junior high school and my friends started getting into the gang and stuff. And, and I, I, I kind of felt like I'm going to, I lived in the gang. I mean, the gang was in my house. It was the homegirls putting makeup on and my Uncle Abe coming out of prison with his prison clothes and us whining his shirts and and prison shirts and stuff like that aspiring and, to that yeah. yeah you know and then finally uh, when i got into junior high school i felt like this is a whole new school that could be a whole new me and i felt like i'm gonna try something different and i tried to hang out with some kids that weren't gangsters that were disco guys actually they looked at me and said you can't you can't be a part of our crew you're from the projects you need to go with your people and I, and I, I felt a real slap in the face of you know you're you're not worthy no inclusion there no inclusion and I, and then I, I really looked at myself and said what were you thinking right. get with your people even though whether I was from a gang or not you know you, you you're considered a project person but to get technically in the gang you get jumped in and that day I got jumped in what was I thinking to think that I was not like I could be something else this is fate this is the way it is you know i got i got jumped in and what does that mean to get jumped in to get jumped into a barrio it's not like on the tvs well not where i grew up you have three guys and really four guys one guy is keeping time like 30 seconds to a minute while three guys try to beat you up but you have to swing back the guy who's getting jumped needs to swing needs to fight three guys you can't just ball up and go on the floor and get stomped on that right there if you were to do that They'll give you a chance. Like, the guys will give you a chance. Come on, get up. Fight back, homie. Fight back. If you don't fight back, then they're really going to stomp you out. And you're not going to be from the gang. You just, you, you weren't worth it. You fight back and you get dropped on the floor. And then the guys will pick you up. The guy who's keeping time will stop the time. And then you're all right. Yeah, you ready? 
and you're supposed to say yeah and then boom you 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 go until the time is up and then the hugs and welcome to the barrio yeah we're gonna give you a nickname or whatever you know all that stuff happens so that's what i mean by jump into a gang and did your twin brother go in at the same time not at the same time no he he got in though we we were together but we were not together we didn't hold hands all the time my brother had his crowd i had my crowd and at first we were just the twins you know everyone called us the twins from you know ramona gardens rg which was like a boot camp before you get into the bigger gang called big hazard i don't really like to say that gang i'm from ramona gardens i was born and raised there I got into the gang Big Hazard, but I don't like to bring glory to Big Hazard. There's no glory right. in it, but that is true. So you got in the gang, and you're headed on that uh, trajectory in your life. And right. then where, where was the turn? How far did you have to go until you said, I need to get out, I need to make a change? What, what was the turn for you? You know, being from the neighborhood, you pretty much gave up all hope. You feel like this is it, involved in violence and crime and selling drugs and stuff. It's nothing crazy organized. It's just... Kids being led, you know, blind leading the blind and no adult supervision. And if there are adults there, they're with you. There's, you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, they're a part of it, you know? That leads to juvenile hall. And juvenile hall is like a test to see now you're not with the gang. You're by yourself usually. And you're going to go into a a place where all the gangs are at, juvenile hall. And that's where a big test is at. Yeah, can you survive juvie? Right. And, and, And can you survive juvie with you being able to back up the barrio by yourself right and you're gonna have to fight your way through this that's where you kind of gain a little bit of a reputation of not becoming a ranker a ranker is when someone hits you up hey where you from you're supposed to yell out your neighborhood or say your neighborhood with authority you know a ranker would be like hey where you from they would hit you up and you would say i'm not from nowhere because you're scared oof then you're 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 considered like you know, a dropout, and and then when you, even when you get out of juvenile hall, you will get beat up, or you know, bad things are gonna happen to you because you because you ranked out. You want to act tough and with the with the guys in your barrio, but when it came down to the test, that you couldn't hang. That's why you got jumped in. That's why you have to you go through this fire over and over again in the neighborhood to make you tough enough. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so juvie's like school number two. Absolutely. I got into a drug dealing. When I about 17, that's when I started heavy drug dealing and pounds of methamphetamine, and that started to change my life. Something that I've never had before was abundance. I had a lot of money. A lot of money came with that. Right. And, that, and that's actually the drug that my friend is, Ed is hooked on, is crystal meth, tweaker. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It took um, the whole country by storm, you know, back in the 90s. And then by the time I was 18 years old, I got caught with a with a couple pounds of, of meth. So I went to prison. But in my neighborhood where I'm from, you know you're going to juvenile hall before you go to juvenile hall, and you know you're gonna to go to prison. So it's not a surprise. Actually, you get schooled, you get taught on how to be and what to expect and all that stuff when you go to prison. Before you even get there. Before you even get there. I was taught that when I was 17. When you go to California State Penn, this is how you need to be. This is what you need to say. These right. are my older homeboys telling me what to do. And, you know, you hear the stories of your family members and you hear the stories of the older homeboys and what happened. And all this is just like schooling, you know, just stories that are going to be passed down so you can understand the culture that you're going into. So prison, did a couple years in there, got out, kept on doing the drug dealing and stuff. And, I, and actually... 
We're going to stop Hector right there because we're out of time for this week's podcast. And you're going to have to tune in next week to hear Hector's transformation from prison. So we're going to leave him in prison for a week and pick up from there. (laughs) And uh, thank you, Hector, for this week. And hey, folks, you're going to have to tune in next week to hear it. All right. Thanks for listening to 99 for One. You've been listening to 99 for One, a podcast of real-life stories meant to inspire ordinary people to do extraordinary things that change our world. This podcast is owned and operated by Will Cravens, author of the book 99 for One and founder of the nonprofit Endurance Leadership. Thanks for listening.